Hey everybody and welcome to Breaking Biotech. Thank you guys so much for watching today. My name is Matt and if you like what I'm doing please like, subscribe, or leave me a comment. It, uh, it has been a while and I am very glad to be back here talking to all you beautiful people about one of the most interesting topics I find. Uh, yeah, so I've been gone for about four weeks I think, so the entire month of January uh, pretty much. And for those who are, who are curious, I uh, have found a new job. So I was a postdoc in a lab down here, and I recently switched to uh, the commercial side of a company. And uh, I won't tell the name, but uh, it's been a very positive change, and I've enjoyed it despite being kind of away from being able to analyze stocks and things like that. So, you know, it's been good, and uh, hopefully I'll get back to it so I can do this more often. But the last time I was talking to everybody, we uh, were in kind of a, a downspin. So I think it was early January, so probably around here. And uh, at that time, I was talking about how Powell basically ruined the market with his overly hawkish attitude. And uh, since then, we've had the cavalry come in and and basically reverse everything that Powell said. And then on the... Uh, 30th of this month, we saw that Powell came out and basically said that he was going to be now uh, flexible on balance sheet normalization, and they would also halt rate increases until, you know, uh, we, we don't know. We don't know when they're going to go back to increasing or even if they're going to decrease. So uh, throughout the month of January, though, multiple Fed members spoke, and they basically walked back this hawkish rhetoric that Powell had. And, uh, you know, they talk about being data dependent, but basically, in my perspective, it seems like the market was very worried in this downturn here that the Fed was going to be too hawkish and the economy was going to suffer for that reason. And then uh, after they walked it all back, the, the market kind of gained a little bit more rationality and uh, sort of and recovered quite a bit. But, you know, where we go from here, I'm not entirely sure. I'm surprised this move has been so uh, unhampered without any like real serious pullbacks and the XBI has basically followed the a similar trajectory as the S&P 500 so it's uh, it's anyone's guess but this uh, support trend line seems to be intact so far so you can use that as a bit of a guide I, I don't see too many too much resistance until we get to maybe 2780 in the S&P 500 uh, the XBI you know closer to 85 but you know uh, the the real risky parts right now that I see in the market are the the trade wars that are left and then an overall global slowdown. So uh, we're seeing a lot of companies come out and lower their guidance for the future, especially those that have exposure to Asia. And uh, that's going to basically dictate how things go from here, I think. So, you know, one thing that I that I am going to put a position in is gold. And I know this is a biotech podcast, but just as a, you know, for those who are curious, you know, I, I really feel like Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve and all central banks can't really control their spending. And I think that gold is going to see uh, quite a headwind uh, based on this. So uh, I need to put a position in gold and I have no money in gold right now. And just, you know, as an as a for those who are interested, I'm, I'm going to be doing that. But anyway, let's get back to it. So the last month has been huge. 10% increase in the S&P 500 and almost 20% increase in the XBI. Uh, the XBI is basically back to its December, uh, the fall levels that it was at. So if you bought anywhere in here, you did pretty well. 
I uh, I bought and then sold, so I'll, I'll get into that at the end of the video. But uh, one of the things that happened while I was gone is uh, Bristol Myers bought Celgene. So uh, great, seventy-four billion dollar deal. Uh, BMY went down in the news, obviously, because they had to pay a bunch of money for Celgene. Uh, overall, you know, these deals are very complicated, but BMY is basically going to expand their oncology portfolio to a significant degree. Um, you know, the, these medicines, Revlimid, Pomalist, they, they bring in a lot of revenue, and there is some uh, uncertainty around the IP with these drugs, so it's not too certain how long BMY is going to be able to, to get this revenue at this level. Uh, once the acquisition goes through, they are going to have control of Juno's CAR T portfolio, and there there was a, a Bluebird collaboration that they're gonna they're gonna have. So, you know, it it does show that BMY is going to have a future ahead of them, and uh, they're definitely going to have some revenue for the next few years. But long term, I I'm not sure whether or not this is going to be a very positive or negative thing. So, uh, I'm personally going to look to break even on the shares and uh, and sell the ones I have just because it's a little too uncertain for me. Uh, they do have some inflammation products, which have done well, and they're looking for new indications on on these and others. So those could also be uh, positive in, in the future. And for those who are interested, you know, I found this slide, and you can probably find it online, of the, the new combined company, the, the different products that, that are, they're going to have. So I recommend you, you to check that out. But uh, for me, I'm, I'm going to sell. All right, the next thing I want to talk about that didn't get too much news, and this happened earlier in the month, so, you know, I'm dating myself given that we're, we're already February 1st, but Asperion had uh, announced a deal with Daichi Senko Europe, which is uh, a company in, in Europe that's done very well commercializing a bunch of medicines in Europe, and uh, this is good news because they're going to sell a lot of bempedoic acid, and that's what we want if we want the company to make money. And I think the company, or Esperion, actually went down in the news, which surprised me, given that this is, uh, you know, it brings us closer to, to bringing in revenue for the medicine. And there were some milestones that they received uh, that, you know, is, is good for Esperion. So I thought that was good news, and I noticed the upcoming events for Esperion. So for those who are interested, they, uh, they're doing a sustained release version of bempedoic acid, and in the the call, they they talked about how this was important for Nash, and I wonder if they just brought up Nash just as like, you know, because it's a hot thing to talk about right now, um, and I, I don't know how they figure, you know, you could you could imagine that if you lower cholesterol in the blood, that could help with the inflammation associated with it in Nash, but it's a bit of a stretch, but uh, I don't know, it's possible, and they also are looking at doing the combo pill for type 2 diabetes, and it, this might also have it's all part of that that whole disease right having type 2 diabetes having hypercholesterolemia and uh and heart disease so uh this could be another uh another indication source of revenue kind of thing for them so i would uh keep an eye out for that even though you know they're not going to be gigantic um events here but you know these are the things to, to look out for, and I do think that the stock has a lot of potential. And yeah, I don't have it up, but uh, we can talk about it at the end of the video. 
All right, so moving on. And I'm just blasting through these companies because uh, a lot's gone on in the last month. So I didn't talk at all about JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, which uh, was a pretty big deal. A lot went on there, and I'm just focusing on, on the few companies. But uh, Sangamo presented some stuff, and uh, you know, not even going to talk about what they presented because the, the real issue that people had is that they said they're not going to release any ERT withdrawal data on the at the World Symposium event on February 7th. So that's uh, Thursday next week. And it's really, you know, when I put this play on, I was hoping that Sangamo would be a lot quicker in resolving this confusion on whether or not their zinc finger therapy actually worked in humans. And this is the real crux. This is the problem, is that the data that they have, the patients were on ERT, and the ERT withdrawal data is going to show whether or not the zinc finger tech, whether all of it works in these patients. And I think that there's a huge upside uh, if they can actually show that. Obviously, if they show that it doesn't work or if they can't show it, the, the stock will crumble. But I think it's been hammered uh, quite a bit lately on on this uncertainty that's that's involved. So I only put a small position on back when it dropped uh, month, months now, but I think by the end of the year, they're going to show this data and it'll confirm a lot. And I think one company at this conference actually talked about Sangama being a potential bio com- contender. And, uh, I think that also has held the stock up a little bit, but you know, I'm just, maybe I'm being naive when I think that they, they are going to be able to show that the, the therapy works, but uh, you know, we need to actually see the data. So, you know, I'm entirely betting that they're going to show data that at least the zinc finger tech works or something in some sort of biopsy or in the ERT withdrawal. And, you know, I'm going to exit after that. Okay, so Amarin, uh, I only have two points here because uh, not much going on, but earlier in the year, they guided lower in terms of uh, how many sales they were going to do. And I think it was the sales outside the USA that were particularly lacking. And I remember there was a bunch of hype around Amarin in like, you know, they saw all this positive data. So now doctors were going to prescribe it off label, uh, like today, but we didn't really see that too much. And so the stock dropped a bunch. I have it up here. So yeah, earlier in the year, stock dropped a whole bunch. And uh, then it got, it, it rose a bunch after Pfizer said that Amarin was a potential bio contender. So, you know, yeah, Amarin is very, there's a lot of hype surrounding the fish oil and what it's going to do. There, there aren't too many catalysts coming up, though. Uh, so I think it's going to bounce around a lot just based on, on these headlines. But I do think that Amarin is a, a strong bio contender. And, um, and yeah, so that's why I'm holding quite a decent amount of shares. Uh, what percent of my portfolio? Okay, they're about five percent, so not not crazy, but I uh, I do think that they uh, they have a lot of room to go if they are bought out, um, and until then it's going to bounce around quite a bit. All right, another interesting thing that came out recently is cronezumab failed, and cronezumab was a phase three drug uh, contender for Alzheimer's disease, and it was an antibody that would bind to the one to forty and one to forty two beta amyloid protein. And if you want to go back to any of my previous videos when I talked about Alzheimer's disease, 
the, the amyloid hypothesis continues to get hammered. And this is the belief that the beta amyloid is the reason for the, the negative outcomes that are associated with Alzheimer's disease. So if you can get the beta amyloid and the plaques uh, out of the brain, you can improve Alzheimer's outcomes. And so far, not, not looking that way. And this is interesting for us because uh, Biogen has another, well, Biogen has a few candidates, but the ones that are most important is this aducanumab. There's a C in there. And aducanumab binds to both uh, beta amyloid oligomers as well as the insoluble fibrils, and it's able to uh, reduce these this burden in the brain. And there's a lot of hype about this. There are band 2401 compound, uh, and I forget exactly what it binds, but it only binds to, I think it's the oligomers, but it only binds to one of these. It had some controversial data that, you know, I didn't really believe, and we're not really sure. Or they might have announced it, but I haven't been paying attention since it's it's sort of fallen out of the news, but it, uh, it's basically not something the company's going to, like, hang their hat on as this is the cure for Alzheimer's. They did show that it would reduce the plaque burden in the brain, but it didn't really correlate perfectly to uh, an improvement in in symptomology. So aducanumab, because it combined to both oligomers and insoluble fibrils, there's a lot of expectation that this is going to be uh, the cure. But, you know, with the cronizumab fail, failure, uh, I, I'm not very hopeful that aducanumab is, is going to be able to find success. Am I going to short Biogen? Uh, I need to think about it because, you know, it uh, the, the stock is going to fall quite a bit or it's going to rise quite a bit on that news. And I don't know if it's worth um, if it's worth playing. But I thought this news was pretty interesting and an unfortunate case, another unfortunate drug that's uh, lost for Alzheimer's disease. All right, the last thing I wanted to talk about, well, the second last company anyway, was uh, Sarepta. So uh, Sarepta also presented at JP Morgan Health Conference, and uh, they were getting hammered lately in the stock market. I'll, uh, I'll pull them up right here. And I was adding shares. So yes, since the uh, beginning of the year, well, actually, they followed the the sector, and then they kind of got slowed down at the end of the month. And then these last few days, they've been beasting. So I, I thought I would talk about them because they're they're expecting limb girdle data in Q1 of 2019, and seeing this data and if it's positive is going to send the stock right back up to where it was when uh, the or original results for the Duchenne muscular dystrophy data uh, happened. So. You know, I see upside of around like 170 if uh, if that data is positive just because of the hype. And uh, I think I'll probably exit then because I see the stock bouncing around um, until they can actually get their products uh, into the market and start generating a lot of revenue. And they have a lot of research programs that are good, but, uh, you know, I could see the stock continue to get hammered if uh, if the, the market starts to go down, the market starts to... Uh, freak out about the macro issues that, that I talked about at the beginning. So, um, yeah, but so short term, I, I see this limb girdle data as being very important. The uh, the vector that they use, so it's a gene therapy against the limb girdle version, this uh, LMGD2E version of muscular dystrophy. And they use the same 
um, vector as the microdystrophin gene therapy that they presented earlier in June. And the, the difference is that is the protein. So instead of this microdystrophin gene, it's a beta sarcoglycan. So it's specific to this limb girdle version of uh, muscular dystrophy. And uh, what we saw in, in June was this robust expression. And this is a, a Western blot here showing robust expression of microdystrophin using this vector. So uh, I have no reason to think that this would fail in these patients. And I think it's a nine patient trial that's uh, been staggered and there's been no news so far that the any patients have, have been discontinued or anything like that. So I'm uh, feeling pretty optimistic about it. And, uh, and I think that it'll be a good time to, to sell the stock and then wait on the sidelines a bit and, and go from there. So at uh, JP Morgan, they talked about their exon skipping um, technology that's worked pretty well and they, they have approval for Etep, Adap Learson uh, submitted the NDA for the Exxon 53, and they're continuing to do the work for Exxon 45. But really, the, the most interesting technologies, in my opinion, are the gene therapy ones. And uh, yeah, so they're doing the uh, the microdystrophin trials are, are continuing, and they're, they're starting another trial for that. And the beta sarcoglycan gene, which is for the limb girdle. So that's going to be the most interesting, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what that looks like. But I'm uh, looking forward to it. Okay, so just to wrap things up, uh, a lot going on in, in Q1 of 2019, and I'm very, very excited about the NASH results that we should expect. So Gilead and Intercept are going to present their phase three data on their NASH candidates. Uh, Salon Sertiv, which, uh, yeah, if you've looked at the the study, the phase two, it you know it was okay. They they saw some effect. It wasn't the groundbreaking effect that um, people were really excited about with the the other companies that they're in phase two. Uh, Intercept had had positive data in the liver, but they saw pretty you know negative side effects associated with the itching, the puritis, as well as an increase of cholesterol in the blood as well as uh, exacerbation, of, exacerbation of type 2 diabetes. So uh, I've been negative on intercept, but frankly, uh, I think these patients in this phase 3 are going to be, a lot of them are being treated with um, statins. So the, the issues of the cholesterol in the blood might not be there, and that's going to make it seem like the drug is, is, is a lot better than it really is by itself. But um, yeah, so... You know, in, in looking around on Twitter and stuff, and Jeffries thinks that there's less than 30% chance that the Gilead drug is going to be uh, positive. If it is positive, the, the stock's going to increase quite a bit, I think, for Gilead because this could really open up or continue to expand their liver portfolio of drugs. Uh, for Intercept, you know, it could double the drug or, or it could double the price of the, the stock or it could half the price of the stock. I, uh, I really want to short Intercept, but... Um, you know, they they could see good data for uh, the Nash resolution itself, even though they have all these bad side effects that could be mitigated with other uh, compounds that are already treated. You know, like statins or other things that can increase insulin sensitivity. So, I'm uh, I'm not sure. I wanna I wanna play with this, but you know, any failures in these two drugs are going to lead to increases in 
the next i guess the the other the lower phase nash drugs that are out there the you know the magicals and the vikings i think they're going to increase quite a bit if either of these are a failure or their side effect profile profile isn't great so even if intercept does show positive data but they show you know a negative effect on um blood cholesterol or on diabetes i think you're not going to see a huge effect on uh, magical or you might see an increase in, in those companies Okay, so yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. They said uh, Q1 of 2019, so you know, could be tomorrow or could be uh, next month. So Sangam is going to present some biochem data at uh, the World Symposium next week, so look forward to that. And like I mentioned, the uh, Sarepta limb girdle data. And I'm saying Sarepta even though it's a, it's a subsidiary of Sarepta. I, I forget the company name, but uh, you know, they're associated with each other. And uh, yeah, I already talked about that. So to wrap things up a little bit, I'm going to just talk about how the portfolio is done in the last few weeks. So I am a pretty much even, which is disappointing given that the XBI is up almost 20%. If uh, I had have sold everything at the end of 2018 and just bought the XBI, put all my money in there, I would be looking pretty good right now, but I have not done that. So you know, this is uh, how it goes, but being even is, uh, isn't is the worst thing in the world. So um, overall, the things that I wanted to bring up, so Illumina had a negative report earlier in the week, and I think a lot of this is going to be resolved if a trade deal gets done with China. Illumina has a lot of exposure to China, so I think there's a little bit of uh, caution there. Fate continues to be range bound. So I think they went down to about 13 or so earlier in the week. And uh, I'm going to make an effort to buy more if it does that again, because I see that they're very much being um, bound between this like 17 and 13 area. Um, other than that, yeah, so Sarepta has increased quite a bit. And uh, I see them really continuing that, especially on good news to the limb girdle. Yeah, Global Blood, uh, I still think they're undervalued at 48, but um, we'll wait and see how, how that uh, goes on with the FDA. They're, uh, they're meeting with the FDA, which they should be talking about. Uh, I did notice and wanted to bring up the volatility. So volatility has just been crushed the last little while, and this doesn't mean that it will continue to be crushed, but it does mean that we're sort of getting lullabied back into that slow creep that the market had in, uh, in 2017. So to uh, don't expect very violent moves necessarily, but kind of prepare for them. So every now and then I'll, I'll throw like a, like an XBI put that's very short term. And uh, just to, just as like a caution and a protection against my portfolio. But it looks here that uh, we're kind of going back to this low vol environment. So I'm stop, I'm anticipating fewer dramatic moves that we saw in, uh, in 2018, but going to still be cautious. Okay, so with that, uh, gonna wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. And uh, if you like what I'm doing, please like, subscribe, leave me a comment, uh, give me an idea if you want me to look at any other companies. Actually, I think somebody sent me an email, and I uh, only thought of that now because I was reminded to to ask for ideas. But I uh, I will look at that, and uh, I'll look at anything else. But Otherwise, uh, thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you next time.